0: Oh, oh
1: Something to you when you say everything that He is. You know when you think about everything that you're not, or I'm not, or what's going on, it doesn't really it doesn't accomplish what God wants to accomplish. But when we sing about who He is, what a powerful thing! Lord, You are everything we've just sung about and more. Lord, You are, um, Lord, our offense, our defense. You're You're everything and we recognize your greatness today in all things all things wonderful all things difficult you are great and we thank you for you today Jesus and you're an incredible name amen 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 you may be seated this morning praise the lord as our usher's prepare there's a verse I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 8 87 and says this, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And you know, I think of all the things as people that, that we pursue to excel in. And um uh, uh, maybe it's sports. You want your kids to excel in sports and they're a part of travel teams and different opportunities or, or math clubs, different, different opportunities there, engineering clubs, or even as adults, we want to excel. So, you know, we get uh, uh, graduate degrees and we get extended training or whatever it might be. We take chances and we, we excel generally in life and a bunch of different things. I don't think I've ever known anyone that their goal was, I'm going to excel in giving. I, I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone that said, that's one of the things I'm going to excel in. But can you imagine what would happen as, uh, as God's people if we raised children and encouraged grandchildren? And as adults, we said, you know, of all the things I can excel in, this is one thing that I'm going to really put on the radar for my life. And this is an opportunity we have this morning to excel in that. And so, Lord, thank you that we have the opportunity. You've given us a mind to think and skill and ability and creativity. God, thank you that we are people that can excel in things. Help us as individuals and as a church to continue to excel in that grace of giving. In Jesus' name, amen. your worship team appreciate you guys hey some announcements if you have your bullet in the hand you know that sometimes it helps to hear and to look at the same time like when if you have yours grab it because it just it imprints in your head for some reason so uh, there's a couple actually uh, two signups out there we want to just remind you about the missions choir and uh, again that sign up is there please check that out sign up And uh, that's going to be for, I believe, March 6th is when the uh, actual uh, missions banquet will be. So please make sure you check out that. And then super important, um, our baptismal that's coming up on February 6th. Uh, If you have not been water baptized um, and you are a believer, you have not uh, maybe just haven't taken uh, that opportunity, uh, that step of obedience for whatever reasons, it's okay. Um, but we want to uh, make sure that you have the chance to, do, to, to be able to do, uh, take that step of obedience. It's coming up very soon. Sign up because the time is really running out because we do pre-record our testimonies. And uh, also, uh, we have out there, how many of you saw The Big Inflatable Cow? And it's, it's always up there for a Chick-fil-A night, which is coming up this Wednesday. So if you want a hot, warm, you know, on a cold day chicken sandwich then you need to make sure that you sign up out there and put your uh, order in that jar. Um, and so we want to make sure that you do that for um, for Speed the Light coming up. And then also last, but certainly not least, if you are our guest here today, um, we have uh, guest cards to be able to fit that are in the pocket in front of you. If you could complete those and please return one to the, the guest services area out in the lobby, that would be a huge help to us. We greatly ap- appreciate it. Again, take, care, uh, take uh, advantage of all these opportunities that we have.
2: Thank you, Pastor Hans. Uh, and also I want to let you know, next week is going to be a very special Sunday. We're going to be featuring uh, really the premier gender-specific mentoring program that exists in the world. And that is Royal Rangers. And many of you already have boys that are in the program. Maybe you know some boys that need to be in the program. Uh, what a fantastic ministry. We have our national director, Carl Fleick, will be with us next Sunday morning. And uh, I hope you'll be here. And I want to give you a special invitation after the service to come on up to the cabin where the boys meet weekly. Uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago. We had a flood through the basement and we totally renovated the, the whole downstairs. Just, It's really gorgeous. And we're even going to feed you. So whether you have boys, I mean, you can be, you know, maybe, maybe your boys are already in their fifties or heading towards retirement. We still like you to come up to the cabin and the weather looks decent. There's no snow to slip on or anything next Sunday. Uh, Come on and walk right up the sidewalk, up the driveway. And uh, or drive up there. We do have some limited parking next Sunday morning. We'd like you to be with us and see what is happening up there. Also, our outpost leaders will be there too. So, if you do have boys, you can talk to them and see their room. It'll be a great time. I want to share with you a video just to kind of promote Royal Rangers this morning. Next week will be the big time, but go ahead, let's show that video.
3: You were created as a man, a symbol of strength, power, and leadership. God made you from his pattern and formed you to be extraordinary. So get ready to experience the journey. It's time for adventure. It's time to build character. It's time to take on the task. Adventure with a band of brothers. Character becoming dangerous for good. Task developing leadership skills that make you come alive. Royal Rangers experience the journey.
2: Man, if I could have that as an intro for every sermon. Can, can you just play the first couple seconds? I love that deep voice and that. Let's just hit that. Again. You
3: were created as a man.
0: A man.
2: I love A symbol of that. <laughs> strength. That's great. So really, you know, next week, just your support would be greatly appreciated. And again, I want to show off the cabin. A lot of work went into that. And um, I'll tell you, it's it's really something to be proud of. Um, and I think if you know of any boys, even grandkids or uh, nephews, that kind of thing, they need to be part of that program. When you see the cabin and all this, been done, not that it's a building that does it, it's really following a biblical formula, which tells us that older men are to train younger men. And that's what happens every Wednesday night, at least, at the, uh, at the cabin. Well, listen, this morning is uh, going to be wrapping up the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 23 this morning. And as I begin, we're going to read the entire chapter, Joshua chapter 23. And it begins with this, verse one. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, "I am old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen. Have you seen everything? The Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you." Remember how I've allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Great Sea in the West. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He'll push them out before you. You'll take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or the left. Do not associate with those nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given to you. Now, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil he's threatened until he's destroyed you from this good land he's given you if you violate the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you. And go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land that he's given to you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, for, for this, this, this incredible leader, Joshua. And Lord, I thank you that this passage today has incredible application to our lives, in our century, in our millennia. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would simply bless us with your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, now the reason I want to read the entire chapter to you, because it was a little bit repetitive in a good way. Because as Joshua shares all this with the people of God, he wants us as well to acknowledge everything that God has ever done for them over the years. And And it's there for us today because we need to acknowledge everything that God has ever done for us over our years. I mean, just think about it from the very first day that that, that you invited Christ into your heart. The very first day that we accepted Christ and invited him into our lives. He's provided for us. He has loved us. He's blessed us. He's been merciful to us. He has not punished us according to what we might deserve. And he's also granted or given to us beyond what we ever could have merited to our own credit. Our God is extremely gracious, abounding in love, desiring to bless his children. And I believe, as Joshua did, is that if we will respond in simple obedience, then he'll keep the kindness flowing to us. You see, God is forever faithful. And our task is just to try to be faithful in return. That's all he's asking of us, to try to be faithful. I mean, he's kept all of his promises. How many times was that repeated in this chapter in the book of Joshua? All that he asks in return is that we would keep away from foreign gods. That is the false gods of this world that surrounds us. And Joshua is urging the people here not to disappoint God. Look at verse 7 and 8 again. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. And of course, the gods of today... The idols of today may seem different from those of the heathen nations in the Old Testament. But you know what? Really at their core, they're the same gods. They really are. The heathen nations which had occupied the land that Joshua is now conquering. They had worshipped gods which they believed would bring them prosperity and success. Not unlike the god of materialism that exists today in our world. Everybody wants material prosperity. Everyone wants success. But it's wrong for us to worship that. The Canaanites and the Amalekites, they practiced child sacrifice, the death of innocent children. And again, not unlike what we see today in our nation, the murder of millions of unborn children. In the Old Testament, we also read about the sanctioning of prostitution, even going so far as to make it part of their religious practice. They included sexual and morally sexual acts into their religious practice in the Old Testament. And again, in today's society, my goodness, the proliferation of sexually provocative material is everywhere. You know, Solomon was right. There's truly nothing new under the sun. Nothing new at all. And so today we have the same old gods surrounding us. We have the same old gods summoning us. Just as in my previous message from Joshua, when I had shared about the meanings of the names of the very cities that Joshua had conquered, There are cities in our lives which also need to be conquered. I talked about that last week. They may have different names today, but there's still nothing new. And although the names of these gods may have changed, they're still the same. It's one thing to be in the world. It's quite another for the world to be in the church. And you know, something very interesting happened really quite quite a number of years ago now uh in in a church that I pastored in the past in, in our ranger outpost one of the men in our church was given a devotion to the boys and he wanted to know who the boys admired he wanted to know who they idolized who they looked up to and and so he asked them. he said who do you most want to be like who do you want to be who do you want, who do you admire who do you want to imitate and, and I'm sure he thought they were going to shout answers back, going back then, like Michael Jordan or Al Iverson or maybe some other prominent sports personality. But you know how they answered? And, I, and, and, and it, really, it really was out of the mouth of babes. It was very telling, very revealing. Um, they they might have been messing with him, but I think there was a lot of truth in what they said. But, but when he asked them, who do you most admire? Who do you want to be like? And I mean, this was a handful of kids. They all said the same thing. They said they wanted to be like like themselves. Their answer was me. Who do you want to be like? And they all said me. And I'm sure they they, they were probably being facetious, but I believe that they were also being honest. Because children today, like children 20, 30 years ago, were having their egos built bigger and bigger every day. They were constantly being told at home, in school systems, that they're special. And I believe that, that we should tell them this. But, you know, there's a balance. There's a balance. And, and possibly the motivation in the public arena is noble and that they believe that a good and healthy self-esteem will help kids to, to properly develop and be involved in things besides destructive decisions and bad behavior. But, but you know what? The motivation can be 100% right, and yet the method can be all wrong. You see, truth out of balance is a lie. For example, the Bible says that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And others, no, there's not enough. It's not enough to just know that you are special. But we also need to feel a responsibility towards our neighbor. We're to love them as we would love ourselves. And our neighbor, according to scripture, isn't just a person who lives in the house next to you. Your neighbor's anybody. Listen to Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 5, and especially we want to look at verse 3. It says, uh, Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Again, verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. You see, my point is this, the gods of today Those gods whom Christians may be tempted to worship today are the same as those in Old Testament times. The one which I just illustrated to you with those ranger boys is the one of, well, it's the God of self. Self Self-importance, selfishness. And and there are others. There's the God of prosperity. There's the God of physical lust. There's the God of of, of self-promotion. There's the God of independence. There's the God of immediate gratification. And yes, the Old Testament gives them names like Baal, Beelzebub, Molech, Marduk, Ra, Asherah, Melkart, and other names. But they're all the same gods. And yet, see, the reality is, the truth is that only Jehovah God can meet our needs. And that's what Joshua was expressing in that 23rd chapter. These lands are yours now because God fought for you. Because God took on the battle. Because God fulfilled his promise to you. Only Jehovah God can meet our needs. Jehovah Rapha, God is my healer. Jehovah Nissi, God is my victory. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Jehovah Tassidkanu, God is my righteousness. Jehovah Shema, God is always there. Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. And because of all this, he alone is worthy of all of our affection. He's the only one to whom we all owe thanks and praise and devotion. He's the only one for whom we should become, as we read in Romans 12, living sacrifices. Jesus Christ is the only God who laid down his life for ours. There isn't any other false God that gave up their lives for people. Only Jesus. And now, because he gave his life, we owe our lives to him. He's bought us. We belong to him. And with that in mind, I want you to consider this. I want us to go forward into the 24th chapter of Joshua. Because here are some of the most famous words, I believe, from all the Old Testament. Joshua again, as we read in chapter 23, this time in 24, he's preparing for death, his own death. He's, he's personally, he believes that, that, that the people need to live a certain way, that they need to love God with all of their might, that they owe everything to the God who has given them this promised land. And I believe that some of the most significant words and wisdom that can ever be received from another person If they can be, would be from the lips of a faithful dying servant of God. You know, some of the final words of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, I think, need special heed. And these from Joshua in the 24th chapter, near the end of his life, are also extremely important. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, the false gods that your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my household, you know these words, we will serve the Lord. And you know, whenever I read that passage, I've always gotten excited. It's so inspirational. I mean, it, it carries with it a kind of holy defiance. It's as though Joshua is telling them, you go ahead and you worship any God you want. You live any way that you want to live. You do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my household and every generation under my care, we're going to serve God. The only one and true living God. What an expression of fortitude. What 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 an unbelievable expression of determination. He doesn't care what anybody else does. I mean, he cares, but they're not going to influence him. You do whatever you want to do. Here's what we're doing. He knew God's agenda for his life and for his family and for his heirs. And you know what the truth is that every household represented here today needs to have that same kind of conviction. We really do. I mean, we ought to be able to say to one another, Serving God seems undesirable for you. You don't want to serve Him? Hey, you choose. You make up your own mind. But as for me and my family, my mind's made up. And again, as exciting as that is for me, you know, it's not just an emotional decision, it's never been an emotional decision. I'm committed. And unless you're committed, there are going to be a lot of Sundays in your life where instead of being here to worship God, you're going to be out in your yard working and landscaping, or you might cut cut out and hit the Sunday brunch before the rest of us can get there. You see, we always have this choice. We can worship the God of a greener lawn, or we can come here and worship the God of the entire universe, who, by the way, will someday torch your lawn and all the elements that make up this earth, and he alone will create a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. I mean, personally, that's why I can only go so far with killing weeds, you know what I mean? It's just, I can only go so far with mowing it too, but, I, I, and I, I, can't, I can't help but think of Elijah in the Old Testament. He had a more stringent admonition, yet very similar to Joshua. Look at this, it's First Kings 18, verse 21. Elijah went before the people And he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? Okay, get off the fence. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Does that make sense? But then it says, the people said nothing. They said nothing. You see, we shouldn't live like that. We shouldn't live like this is some kind of ongoing debate. The issue for me was settled the day I gave my life to Christ. And it ought to be the same for every one of us. We need to live this out every day. Not wavering, but being of one mind. And folks, you know, we need unity in the church body. Families need unity. There has to be a single conviction in the house so that father and mother and children all believe together that no one and no thing is more important than Jesus Christ. Either you love the Lord or you don't. And you can't love him and not love his body. And of course, one of the ways that we show our dedication to his body to the church is simply by coming together as a church. Now, I shared this last couple weeks with Young Adults Life Group that basically the church in America through the pandemic, through, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, us included, it seems to be a national average, but 33% of all churches across our nation, excuse me, Of all churches across our nation, churches have lost about 33% of their regular attenders. We've we've lost a little less than that here. But I have a friend and acquaintance in the north central part of our country, church of 9,000 people. They've come back to church and they have 6,000 people. 3,000 people just aren't going to church anymore. They're just not going to church, just like here. Just like down the road, just like in Florida, just like in California, just throughout the nation. I don't, I don't know the reasoning for it, but I'm telling you what, you cannot say, you cannot say, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here. You cannot say that you love Jesus and not love his body. I mean, I appreciate the amen, but that really wasn't enough. That really wasn't enough. You can't, you can't, you can't say you know, it's almost like what, what you, read, you read the epistles of John. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. How is it that a third of the church that was coming to church, where are they? You know, as for me and my household, here I am. As for me and my, you do whatever you, you know, you can watch it home on TV or maybe just ignore the whole thing or go back to your old life before you came to Christ. But as for me and my household, we're going to serve God alone. I have no other gods. I have no other gods. I tried the other gods before I found Jesus or before he found me. And they don't work. They're evil. They're harsh taskmasters. You cannot love you cannot say you love Jesus and not love his body. You cannot say you love Jesus and not love his bride. He gave his life for his bride. We need each other. And you know what? We're blessed when we just come together and hear the praises of the person standing next to us. I mean, I know they're not praising us, but it's just nice to hear their voices praising the same God that we're praising. And you know, besides that too, we have a tremendous impact when we pull our resources together and whatever we do, whether it be hands-on ministry, whether it be financial giving or missions or ministry opportunities, that's the strength of the body. It's not one piece. It's all together. And what's so sad today is that many Christians, as I said, is, you know, they just take it too lightly Contrary to what we hear in the media and even by some Christian experts, America is still largely a Christian nation at its core. 81% of Americans consider themselves to be Christians. That doesn't mean that they are. But we're pretty pretty accurate knowing that about half of our population in America are truly born-again Christians. Just over half. But here's the problem. There's also a lack of solidarity among believers today, especially in the United States. Our church parking lots are just not as full as they ought to be. Partly because we have the freedom to worship. Which means we also have the freedom not to worship. And because we have these freedoms, it's easy to take them for granted. And we do. And I don't want to sound like a legalist, but something should be sacred to us between the hours of nine and noon every Sunday. That's a very small window of your entire week. You know, we, we shouldn't be pulled away by baby showers and birthdays and even Aunt Bertha just turned 85. You know, I mean, I'll go to your party, honey, I'll go to your party after church. And think about if you had the opportunity to meet a world leader, would you pass that by? And yet, who's greater, some world leader or Jesus? Jesus. But please understand, not only did Joshua and Elijah address this issue, but you know, what Jesus did too. He really did. And I want you to read this with me. It's from Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Jesus said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, just imagine here, okay, father or mother. They should be pretty high on our list. If we love our hobby, if we love our diversion, if we love our home improvement project, if we love anything more than Jesus, we're not worthy of him. And he's putting us in terms that we just can't back out on that one. Says anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And our culture has made Sunday to be like just any other day. And I'm not saying that we should, you know, we're not, we're not meant to worship Sunday. We aren't to worship the day, but we do need to elevate the day. But for, because for 2,000 years, the church has agreed that Sunday would be our time to come together and worship the creator of this universe. That we would worship Almighty God and worship him as one body. And so that's why we're to begin every week, by worshiping him on the first day of the week, setting aside time on the first day of the week to worship the one and the only living and almighty God. And you know, not only does it express our love and devotion for the Lord when we commit these times of worship to him, I mean, it it blesses him when we get together like this. But you know what? It also serves as a notice. It serves as a witness to even family members who might be just nominal in their faith, that we take this serious. Again, it's almost like when you leave the house on a Sunday and maybe some of your family doesn't want to come, it's uncomfortable for them, maybe uncomfortable for you, but it tells them, as for me and my house, your neighbors, those that might be up, and they see you pull out of your driveway, they realize you're at church. In fact, I've got some Christians in my neighborhood. And I, I, I leave early, but... I really wonder, are they, are they? how faithful are they? I, I need a camera on the outside of my house. This, I just wonder, I just wonder, how faithful are they? How many Sundays do they go to church? The bottom line is this. We need to tell those around us. You can worship whoever you want. But as for me and my household, we worship only God. That's, that, that is the most powerful testimony for your neighbors, for your family, for others to see you leave your home on a Sunday and actually go to church. What an incredible witness. It's such a small thing, but what an incredible witness. And so I want us to stand with Joshua and really make that part of our lives you're you're going to decide you're I understand why he said the way he said it you know if it's undesirable for you if, if you don't want to do this if it's not because people are going to do it they're going to do anyways but as for me and my household we will serve only the lord let's pray father god i just thank you for all you've done for us lord god just as you you enabled And you brought victory to the Israelites one city at a time. Cities that worshiped false gods. And you fulfilled, out of your own faithfulness, you fulfilled your promise to give them that land that you'd promised to Abraham and to Moses. It became reality. Lord, I know that you have great things for us individually, personally, in our own lives. As well as for us as a corporate body, as your body, as the church. But Lord, it's gonna take it's gonna take us having the desire to be faithful to you, to love you in return for all the good things you've done for us, to truly be grateful, Lord, to give thanks for all that you provided for, Lord. We thank you for our employment, Lord. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for every single blessing that you brought to us. Lord, help us to remember that you're the one who's given it to us. It's not something we've achieved in our own strength. But you've given us the victory just as you gave Joshua and his people the victory. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would destroy all those false gods in our lives. Lord, that you would help us to come against the strongholds that the enemy tries to build up in our lives, things that would distract us, things that would pull us down. Lord, that we could adequately serve you to give you the honor that you deserve. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.